Welcome TTB community. I am Bob DeMann. Here with me, as always, is the indomitable Elliot Shipley. What's going on? All right. Indomitable. Does that mean like I'm not able to be dominated? Yes. I was going with like a more um, mental approach, though, not physical. Yeah. Uh, you can't be subdued. Okay. So okay. you're mentally fit. You're mentally, you know, strong willed. I'm not that's, physically that's, fit. You are not as physically fit as me, but yeah, okay. A, okay. you are. You are. <laughs> so, okay. All right. We'll, we'll skip over that. Sure. So our guest today is Eva Westerling. Her and her partner run an agency offering once in a lifetime hiking tours in the Moroccan desert, and they organize logistics for yoga, yoga retreats, workshops, and photography tours. And after living and traveling around Morocco for more than two years, she has learned the country very well. And she was previously a radiologist and global healthcare consultant who quit in 2019 after a month-long trip to Morocco. And that is where her story starts. Travel tip of the week. If you want to travel internationally at this point, you really need to get vaccinated. It is almost impossible to travel without your both doses of your vaccine or your single dose, depending on whatever you had. It is, you have to have a compelling reason if you're unvaccinated. It is still difficult yeah. if you are vaccinated. But I mean, Italy, Italy, you literally cannot go and see the, the Coliseum or the Vatican or Pompeii if you don't have that card. They yeah. won't let you in. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to see the world, then then there really is no other option at this point. Before we get into the conversation, check out some of the cool things we offer. Support for the Traveler's Blueprint is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Gotta love that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, which is right here. This is the Lawnmower 4.0, and you did hear that right, is the 4.0. Join over 2 million men, including Bob and myself, worldwide, who trust Manscaped. With this exclusive offer for you, which is 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code TTB at manscaped.com. So preparing for this, one term came to my mind, and that was nether regions. And it, it sort of sent me down this wormhole of the word. I was curious, you know, as a travel podcast, as a podcast that uh, focuses on culture and geography, I was curious to know whether or not nether regions was related to the Netherlands, the country. Is, is it? So no, not really. So they, they oh, share the prefix. Right. They, they share the word nether, which refers to a region at its lowest or furthest point or part, furthest part of a place, okay. especially with the allusion to hell or the underworld. Now, removing that second part or, or not thinking about it right now, you kind of understand how the Netherlands came to be because they are at the, they're at topographically at a low point right near a, the Rhine River Basin. And now relating to the nether regions, it's a low point, I guess, of the body. And so there you go. You have some interesting information. All right. Well, um, thank you for that insight, Bob. Yeah. And, you know, we've traveled together and I've always thought I was a pretty hairy person and Amanda can vouch for me. Uh, but in our time traveling together, I've learned that you probably are hairier than I am. And what is it like with this? I mean, I know I've loved it. I mean, it's got the light. It's got the ceramic blade. It just makes things so much easier. <laughs> so, so thanks for noticing my hairiness. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, I, but I've, I've been a hairy guy for a long time since, you know, my, my teenage years. I, I grew hair pretty quickly. And since that time, I've been trying to figure out ways to keep it in check. I, I shave my chest, my back, my head, my beard, <laughs> like everywhere, you know. I, I, I like to keep it clean and Manscaped sent us this and it's perfect. It's lightweight. The charge lasts forever. The light. The light is one of my favorite aspects of this tool because I've been shaving for a long time and I've never had a light attached 
to the buzzer itself. So when you're shaving and you have this spotlight shining on you, you can actually see the differences in. Yeah, it makes it so much easier. It's such an incredible idea to add a light. And simple. Um, and then again, as a traveler, it's perfect. You can throw it in your bag. The, the thing itself charges and lasts for a while, but then the wireless charging port is also charged and you can then use along your trips, um, making it for a pretty extended period of time where you don't have to worry about finding an outlet, which as a traveler, we know it doesn't always come around as often as we like. And speaking of traveling, this has a travel lock on it, so you can actually prevent it from turning on while you're traveling, especially if you're throwing your bag around into an overhead compartment, onto a bus or That's a trunk. Big. That's yeah, big, yeah. Huge, mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, I, because how often, I, I I can't think of any specific items, but you, you shove some your bag in somewhere just to get it on the plane or the bus. Toothbrush, old and trimmers, yeah, you turn your, all exactly, that stuff. Exactly, yeah. you hear it going, you're like, ah, yeah, exactly. So that, that seems to uh, be avoidable now with this this new 4.0, the lawnmower 4.0. So again, you can get 20% off and free shipping by using code TTB at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TTB. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for your family jewels with Manscaped. Your Your balls balls will thank thank you. (laughs) Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Eva, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. We're, we're glad you're here. So you, with your partner, you run an agency that does hiking tours through Morocco. And as Bob and I are planning to go to Morocco, we're really excited to talk to you, learn about what your tours do, how you do them, and where they go, and then see what us as tourists can learn from you. Okay, great. Yeah, to specify our hiking um, tours, uh, actually go in the desert. So okay. we're not doing these all over Morocco at the moment because my partner is actually from the desert around Mazuga, one of the most popular areas, but he also knows a bit further out really well. And that's where that's where our tours go, really off the beaten path, really. <laughs> that's what we like, off the beaten path. We want the true cultural experience. Yes, and the, the true nature. The true right. nature, is that the thing? The true nature of the truth. Um, so, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Eva, you are, you're not from Morocco. You're from Germany. Can you, I guess, to get this conversation started, give us maybe a brief background of your travels and then how you ended up setting up shop in Morocco? Sure. Um, so my first trip to Morocco was in 2015, and it was actually a hiking trip in the desert from close to Zagora, so a different part of the Sahara. Um, it was a nine-day hiking trip, and... I I was like in the plane on the way home and I thought, oh my God, this was the best holiday of my life. And I've traveled a lot before. Like I've been to many countries. I don't do many group trips, but like hiking in the desert is something you cannot really do alone. So it was one of those rare occasions. And I was lucky we were only four women and our team of guides and cooks and camel men. And um, it was just amazing. It was such a meditative and a really great experience you know you just walk and you look and you talk and you eat and it, <laughs> that sounds awesome. it was just yeah it was just really amazing and i i just i can't, i went home and i thought i have to do this again sometime so i did another tour with the same german agency in oman but that was really different and not a great experience the group was too big it was too 
like too hot, the distances were too long, the, the landscape was really kind of always the same. Every day it looked the same. There was nothing really to look at. And so I didn't enjoy that so much. So I thought, oh, I should go back to the desert in Morocco at some point. And then actually, um, shout out to Amanda from the Thoughtful Travelers. Yes. I actually um, listened to an episode where an Australian woman said that she wanted to do a long distance hike in the Sahara in Morocco later that year. And I was like, oh, I want to do that too. So I I said in the Facebook group, oh, I wish I could join. And she was like, oh, yeah, sure, come along. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. um, so it just sat there for a few months. And then, you know, we, we reached out on Facebook and talked a bit. And, um, yeah, so I joined her on that kind of expedition, I guess. Yeah. Um, and in the end, I... I walked for 16 days. She left after 11 because she had some business to take care of in Marrakesh. <laughs> so that was kind of weird. But I kept on with the guide and uh, actually hiked all the way from Zagora to Mezuga, which is 250 kilometers roughly on that route. Um, just, you know, fully self-supported just with the camels. We, Of course, we had some stops in between in tiny, nah, one in a village actually, where we could restock. And sometimes we had delivery, like, they would call some guy from a nearby village who would deliver some veggies and rice or something from the shop in the in the next town over. So, um, yeah, that was an amazing experience. And I came back and I was at that time working as a global healthcare consultant. So I'm a radiologist uh, by background okay. and I had quit that job five years before. And the work was fun when there was actual work, when we had projects but there were phases where there was nothing really to do and they just wanted us to do like desk work that went into a drawer and never got to anything and that's just not the type of person I am you know I really want to do something and help people and go to places so I traveled a lot for work which was fun but also exhausting and when I came back my my boss said yeah you know we're going to change the structure of the department and I'm not sure if you'll enjoy it so much anymore so I said okay fine I'll quit. And because I, for the last two years, I had kind of been planning to change my life. I had been saving a lot of money and I was just waiting for the sign to actually quit and leave. And that was it. So, um, yeah, I quit my job. And then two months later, like early March 2019, I went to Morocco because I thought it's a good place to start. And my plan was to be in Mezuga for like, six weeks maybe or eight weeks and just plan what I wanted to do with the time and the money and you know where I wanted to go and how I wanted the trip to look like and um and that's the place where my my partner is from so he was my guide on the 16 days hike and <laughs> that's how we okay. met and so when I went back yeah we kind of started a relationship and also planning to offer tours like that like we had that idea to maybe do that and uh, then summer came and I, I traveled uh, for three, four months, four, I think, and came back in September, um, left only for short trips and then Corona hit and I was stuck <laughs> kind of in Morocco for the last 18 months. Um, and wow. yeah, I mean, I, I taught myself how to build websites and, uh, you know, we planned our business and we actually don't just offer the hiking tours. We I have another website where we offer organizing the logistics for yoga retreats and workshops and photo tours 
um, because that's what uh, my partner has been doing for the last few years. Like he's always done that. He just never had a proper platform for it. So I kind of formalized that a little bit um, with a bit more structure and planning and visibility. So yeah, that's how I got to where I am. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful country. I mean, I, I haven't even been there yet and I understand <laughs> how you set up shop there. Um, the geography of it is, is interesting where it is, you know, it's, it's on the Northwestern corner of Africa and it sort of has influence from the Middle East. It has influence from Spain. And is there, is there French influence as well? Yes, the from, French occupied the um, yeah, right, yeah right. most of Morocco for a long time. So Spain only has an influence in the north. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so the, when I when I've done some research and planned this trip out that we're going to be taking, Casablanca comes off as just a city, uh, you know, a normal city. <laughs> yeah. You know, very 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 uh, um, modernized and just not a whole lot of a cultural experience is that correct or is that incorrect no i'm i think that's correct i mean i haven't spent that much time there because i was told there isn't much of interest there so okay. you know <laughs> so, um, it's it has huge industries you know right. there's factories like offices everything there's so many people living in that area but um it's not an old city it doesn't have an original medina like there's some okay. part that's okay. kind of old but it's I don't know. So most people just go to visit the mosque, the Hassan Hassan II <laughs> mosque, um, which is what I've done. I've I actually stopped on a road trip in Casa just to visit the mosque because I love mosques. They're beautiful, quiet, calm places, and you know, like great architecture. I love visiting them. So that's actually something. If you have the time, if you land in Casablanca anyways or something, it's worth like a sh half day trip or something. Right, right, right. Um, but if you're not interested in visiting the mosque, then I think you should just skip. And so that's what we're doing. That's the, that's essentially the consensus I came to reviewing it myself. Um, and Marrakech. Now, is it Marrakech or Marrakesh? So in the local language is Marrakesh. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's be the, hard French, the French made it Marrakesh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And because the French for the French CH is ch. I would write it with SH if for English. <laughs> in German, we write it SCH in the end. Okay. Um, but it's so definitely it is a SH, SH. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And how would you describe Marrakesh? Oh, I have a beautiful hate love with Marrakesh. <laughs> um, it's, it's an amazing city. It's really busy. Um, it's very touristic. But at the same time, there's so much original stuff to find you know they they have uh, the old souks that are now mostly for the tourists but they still look like they used to where you can find original carpets and you know like uh, ceramics and all the souvenirs you you might want to buy although i recommend buying somewhere else because they're overpriced in marrakesh and they will try to rip you off majorly but um just walking around, looking at everything. The Medina is beautiful. The buildings, the palaces. There's just so much great stuff to look at. And um, and then there's the modern part of the city. So if you want to have, like, if you go there at the end of your trip and you're sick of eating tagine and couscous, you know, there are actually good restaurants with every kind of cuisine uh, that you could wish for. And um, 
it's just a it's an amazing mix the downside is it's not like before corona it was too crowded there were just too many people mm-hmm. and there's so many people that try to scam you like you know they really yeah. try to trick the uh. tourists there's pickpocketing pick, pick um Everyone who asks you, do you need to know the way to somewhere, then wants money or sends you the wrong way into kind of dodgy looking parts where you will pay just to get out of. And, you know, all those kind of things that you have to be aware of. And I guess, I don't know, I shouldn't say this without knocking on wood, but to me, that doesn't happen because I'm a fairly savvy traveler. I I know when people are trying to do that and I just say no. And I always have an offline map on my phone that I can rely on. And um, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't really need that kind of help. And I know what the prices for most things are. So I know what to aim for when I haggle in the souk or something. Um, but yeah, I, you know, that's kind of the downsides, I guess, to Marrakesh. Yeah, it's something that people deal with in Italy and you yeah. know, any, oh, that, any touristy city. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. It's, it does come down to being aware and mindful yes. of the situation. Um, you know, exactly. understanding and doing some, some research and understanding what you're getting yourself into. Uh, yeah, I... I I spent a lot of time in Philadelphia, and I feel like because of that, I kind of have a little bit of street smarts when it comes to <laughs> people on the streets of the city. But uh, we'll see if it translates to Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> it might. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And so, um, can you can you tell us the two neighborhoods that you described? So maybe the old area, and then the place, the neighborhood that you would get the better uh, have the better restaurants. Um. So the Medina, um, the Medina, you call every like old old town in the okay. cities of Morocco. It's kind of the old walled part. Okay. Um, and it's mostly traditional houses. So when it's funny when you walk when you walk through the alleys, there are places where you just between two walls without windows, with you know, a door here and there. There's nothing. It looks really boring. And then one of those doors opens and you look inside and it's the most beautiful Riyadh, which is like the old style family house where you have an inner courtyard beautifully tiled with mosaics and maybe even a fountain and some trees or something. And then you have the kitchen and a living area downstairs sort of around it. And on the upper level, you have the sleeping rooms. So these days, because a lot of people couldn't afford to upkeep them or keep keep them up. uh, So lots of foreign investors bought them and turned them into hotels which is the best way to stay in Marrakesh in my opinion just find one of those Riyads do you have Um, a preferred hotel uh, yes but it's still closed because of Corona so Uh, um, and I'm not sure when they when they open (laughs) Um, but it it totally depends on your budget and which area you want to stay in like if you want to just have short ways to the major attractions or if you prefer to stay a bit more quiet Um, because the Medina really is fairly big like if you walk from one end to the other it probably i'm a fast walker it still takes me more than half an hour i think just wow from east to west and north to south is a bit longer and there's so many little alleys it's easy to kind of get lost but that's the fun of it i love just walking around following my nose you know like just (laughs) trying to find a cute corner to 
have a tea or just and just people watch for a bit or find some little shop that sells something that you wouldn't find in the touristy parts and yeah um yeah I'm and looking it also at hmm? the the google earth image of like you can just look at the satellite <laughs> imagery of Mar marrakesh and it's It doesn't look like it was planned at all, except for the new areas. And it's just yeah. alleys upon alleys upon alleys. It looks like an, a very old city in Europe as well, where there's no, there's no grid. There's no like noticeable pattern to the layout. It looks like houses and streets just went up where they wanted. Yes, exactly. And that's how it feels like when you walk through, you totally lose sense of direction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great place. And It's also the home of the major sites um, of Marrakesh. So um, there's a few palaces that um, I would recommend visiting. So my favorite is called the Bahia Palace. Okay. And it's, that one is actually not that old. I think it was built around 1840 or something by some rich guy who built this palace for himself, his family and his harem. So apparently he had like a lot of women staying there and so it's it's, it's really a yeah it's a big palace and it's very beautifully decorated and it's really worth visiting um it's in my opinion it's one of the most beautiful buildings in all of morocco if not the most beautiful really? building. so that's wow. totally a must for me um and then one that's fairly close to there is called the el badi palace it's huge and okay. but it's ruins like there's not much left it's just walking through there it's just amazing to to see the size of it and um the reason why there's so little left of it is because later on this one was built much earlier so um when the city of meknes was capital city uh, i'm not sure when that was 1600 something i think um the the emperor or king or sultan or whatever they called themselves then um, wanted to build a new Versailles, sort of like a huge okay. modern, back then modern um, place. And he stole all the goods from the El Badi Palace <laughs> and, <laughs> and a lot of marble columns and stuff from uh, Volubilis, which is an old Roman uh, city that is that you can still visit these days close to Meknes. Um, so yeah, he stole so much for his palaces um, from the El Badi Palace and so yeah that one's fairly empty now um, but it's still a great visit it's, uh, it's interesting to see and the Royal um, Palace is right next to that yeah but the Royal Palace is like one of those behind the walls you won't even catch a glimpse like okay. Okay. places you, you cannot visit at all um, yeah and then Also, I think roughly in that area, there are the Sardian tombs from the dynasty of the Sardia, Sardians, Sardi. Okay. Um, yeah. And that's like a kind of like a mausoleum or something. I mean, okay. that you can you can see some tombstones and it's also very beautifully decorated and oh, it wow. has orange trees everywhere. And if you go at the right time of year, like in in spring which i guess you won't but ah oh, the smell of the flowers is just amazing oh. and um so that's another one of those places that i would recommend visiting when you're in marrakesh um, that is again different from 
the style because it's a different time and maybe it it would make sense to actually hire a guide for half a day to visit those places because you will learn so much about the history and otherwise you will just stick your nose in a book which is a pity and there's so much you cannot remember you know like yeah. i i read it so many times and still i can never remember when i'm there so um it's it's worth it also if you have a guide you can skip the line <laughs> so if it's busy again <laughs> that might be uh, an idea um so yeah those are the places in the medina and it's, it's sort of going towards the mela the jewish quarter which is different and not quite as interesting in my opinion to visit it might you know if you have time enough time it's nice to walk through and visit the jewish cemetery also but um if if you don't have that much time that's something i would probably skip um, no, so speaking on time like let's say let's use the 48 hour mark two days Mm -hmm. So if someone has two days in, in Marrakesh, would you just recommend them staying in the Medina and, and seeing those different? It depends on the type of traveler that you are. So there's definitely enough in the in the Medina to fill probably a week. Like, wow. I mean, oh, I've wow. been there so many times and I just, I mean, not that you just, that there's so many places to go and look at, but just sitting there or walking around, like I said, getting lost, and just enjoying the atmosphere. You just want to do that for half a day, you know? <laughs> like you know. Yeah. And and then like the those palaces, you probably need an hour each. The tombs maybe not quite as long. Then I don't know. There's a there's a madrasa or madrasa, an old Quran school, um, madrasa. Madrasa bin Yusuf, and that's closed at the moment, but it's supposed to open anytime soon. Okay. Um, they've done major renovations, so if that's open again, it, I would definitely go there as well. And that one again, you want an hour, so it depends on how long you want your days, how early you want to start. Um, the evenings you should definitely spend in the big square in the Jamal Fana, where Is it there's the Jamal? yeah. So spelling depends on your language, mostly. G J-E-M-R-R-A-A, -A, sorry, <laughs> J-E-M-A-A. -A. I'm so in the French-Moroccan spelling. <laughs> yeah, J-E-M-A-A. -A. Yeah, yeah, I so, see it on Google Earth, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so um, it's a huge oh, wow. square that's normally half filled with food stalls where you can get good food or less good food depending on luck or... Wow. insider knowledge so i always Exciting. ask some locals like if i want to eat there um, and the other half in the evenings is filled with like musicians and storytellers and acrobats and all kinds of things and the storytellers are actually the most fun to watch even though you don't understand a word because they speak tashlahate or something <laughs> or maybe darja the moroccan arabic but it's just so so amazing like how they tell the stories and even though you don't understand a word you kind of feel like you're you're following the emotions and everything and there are huge crowds around it and it's easy to kind of spot the popular ones <laughs> okay it looks it looks very lively that looks like a fun place to be and so so yeah and and you would say that i guess the medina is where you would get more of a cultural experience 
overall? Yeah, yeah, definitely, because that's the, I mean, the, the old culture, you know, the traditional right, culture. Right, right, right. Um, that happens in the Medina, the way yeah. you have the um, craftsmanship, you know, like where you can find people actually working with leather or working with wood and creating amazing things. You might have to search a bit for those, but they are there, you know, and um, if you leave the Medina, it's just big streets, lots of cars, kind of modern buildings, hipster cafes and restaurants, you know, um, where the prices are also higher. You know, in the Medina, you can find fairly cheap food if you know where to look or if, you know, if you, if you eat like the locals eat and um, outside of it, yeah, you find like Italian places where you pay 17 euros for a pizza, you know, yeah. while in the Medina you can find a sandwich shop where you can get like a chicken sandwich for two euro 50 or something like that. And they fill you the same way. <laughs> so <laughs> it depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, so the modern Moroccan culture I guess also exists and that exists outside of the Medina. But right. I mean, if you go to Morocco, you want to see the old stuff, I think, you know, Agreed. That's, what yeah. <laughs> that's what the that's... tourists are there for. Right. And, and, um, Elliot, did you want to add something? I just wanted to get into food. That's exactly I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> really exactly curious that. as to what the, what the, like the true, or I guess what the most common cultural foods are of, I guess, Southern Morocco, not necessarily the Northern or Marrakesh. Yeah. Okay, so the most let yeah, I guess ubiquitous, you would say food is tagine. Like you okay. find tagine everywhere in Morocco. And it varies depending on where you go. So in the north or on the coast, they will have fish. Um in the south, um like in Mazuga where I have had I don't know countless tagines with families. Um they normally have a piece of chicken or turkey or sheep or goat and then just vegetable. So potato, zucchini, aubergine and carrots usually. So Some, good. It looks sometimes so some peas or, you know, like so what a little actually, bit of variation. What is tagine? So the tagine is the name of the dish that it's cooked in, the ceramic so form. Yeah, okay. the pot. So it's like a it's like a deep deep dish kind of plate, and then it has a cover that is like cylindrical or no conical. I don't know. It looked like a volcano. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There and, we go. <laughs> <laughs> and so you also like if if you oh, cook wow. for for a few people, you actually fill it inside that volcano. Like you build it up, so it's it's big and then mm. they top it with garlic and spices and you most of the time actually a tomato to give some liquid some juice and on the bottom you always have onions lots of onions and that is cooked on the fire for i don't know two to three hours so like really slowly on very little fire and oh my god it's so good yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> after a while I cannot see it anymore because it's just too similar all the time and especially in summer when it's hot I don't like eating it but in winter it's the most amazing thing you can sounds it It sounds it and do you know the history of those ingredients why how the tagine came to be actually I don't and I I try to find out but the like the people I know they they also don't know it's just like people have been eating it 
forever. Yeah. And the and the interesting thing is so the also those the food that you cook in it is called the tagine, but there isn't the tagine. So yeah. you can have like the famous ones kind of or popular ones are lemon chicken that's usually mm. served with uh, green olives as well. And then there's kofta tagine, with, which is little meatballs in tomato, sometimes topped with an egg. Um, okay. And lamb? yeah, on the coast, yeah, lamb is usually or sheep or goat. Okay. Um, is traditional in the south. I'm not actually sure how much of that they eat, but I guess that's everywhere. And on the coast, you can find sardines or little fish bowl balls. They actually make fish kofta. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it it's totally different. Like wherever you go, it's you can travel through Morocco for three weeks and eat tagine every day and never repeat a meal. You know, okay. like there's so That's much cool. variation. So That's awesome. Yeah. Is, is yeah. tagine ever, is it always savory or are there any sweet variations of tagine? Oh, not that I have. Well, so no, no, not really. But there are some where they use some sweets. So for example, there's one with, um, I think that's mostly done with beef and then they use prunes and sometimes okay. apricots. Um, that's also really nice. That's one of my favorites. It sounds almost like a minced meat. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's there's really lots, lots and lots of it. So that's I say th- I would say the the probably most common dish in Morocco. And the second one is couscous. But couscous oh, is yes. something that Moroccans only no not exclusively only but usually eat on Friday. So. Yeah. The men go to the mosque for prayer on Friday noon or just after. And when they come back for lunch, the family eat couscous. So a lot of shops close for long lunch breaks on on Friday um, because, you know, everybody goes home to eat couscous. (laughs) (laughs) So um, and couscous comes in a few variations, too, although the Friday one is normally with like a with a broth from meat and veggies and it's then also served with those veggies and meat but the couscous is steamed over them okay. and yeah it's kind of hard for vegetarians because everything is cooked with meat and yeah. sometimes yeah. sometimes moroccans say um yeah or think it's vegetarian when it doesn't have beef or um goat or sheep so they serve chicken or fish <laughs> or just take the meat out you know so yeah. if if you're vegetarian you should really really ask for it and explain what what you want um and then there's special couscous for special events so for weddings or when there's a new baby sometimes there are different versions of couscous with different meat and different sauces and um and sometimes they eat it just with powder sugar and cinnamon as yeah not even as dessert but also as like a dinner (laughs) which is also something i really enjoy yeah sounds weird but it's actually really nice yeah, sounds delicious. And um, staying on par with you know, you eat the, the couscous and you eat the tagine, and now you're ready to wash it down. Morocco has apparently pretty good coffee, right? Are you a coffee drinker? Mm, so, I not well. I I never used to be because it really makes me too awake and sometimes too like <laughs> buzzy. So yeah. I I normally have one coffee in the morning. Um, it's funny. I don't 
like I, for me, Morocco is not a coffee country. It, they, they have, like, you can find coffee, you can find espresso. They, they usually, or a lot of people drink it with milk as either kahwa alib or nusnus. And I'm still to find out what the difference between the two is, but apparently it's not the same. And, um, and then there are some areas where you get spiced coffee, but, I don't know. I for me that's more a Middle Eastern thing. So when I was in okay. Oman or in Jordan, you know, that's where you get the spice kind of coffee. Yeah. yeah, Morocco. Morocco is a tea country, and is it? okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Moroccan tea is very, very famous. They call it the Moroccan whiskey because it kind of looks like whiskey, I guess. And so they use they use green tea, cook it too long, and make it too strong. And then they add, for the tourists, they add mint, nana, nana mint, the Moroccan mint. Okay. Um, and they sometimes do that at home too, but they also, depending on the time of year, nana is something they drink in the summer. In winter, they use different herbs that they put in the tea, like a few ones that I don't even know what they are in, in German or English. I, I know them in Arabic now, but sometimes they have like thyme or something similar to Majoran, Majoran. I'm uh, not margarine. sure how that one is. Yeah. yeah, um, that's more the winter ones. And then you won't believe how much sugar goes into it. And you need the sugar because otherwise you cannot drink it because that green tea is too strong. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know. On our 16 day trip, I think we used up three kilos of sugar just in the tea. It's disgusting when you think about it. But it tastes amazing. Like uh, yeah. everybody yeah, loves it. You know? <laughs> like, that is a lot of sugar. But you really need to watch it. So I stop drinking tea unless I'm invited in somebody's house. Like I don't order it in restaurants. Right. When I drink it at home, I just make it less strong and you know, don't need sugar. Yeah. Um so that's kind of traditional, but also funnily, it's not an old tradition because the tea only came with the British, like I don't know, maybe two centuries ago or something. It's not like a very old tradition in Morocco. Okay. So uh, I, I was curious. We've talked about the different cultures that have impacted Morocco and kind of shaped the country, but Morocco is primarily Muslim, right? Well, that depends on what you call it primarily because, um, I mean, uh, Islam was founded in 1800 something or 600 something so before that of course there were already people in morocco so um it's the country is kind of yeah split i'm not sure if it's in half but split in terms of population um into the berber i guess okay. we call them from the western perspective they call themselves amazir um and they are the original people of that area. And it's not just Morocco. It's also Algeria and Mauritania. The Tuareg are part of those as well. Most okay. people know the Tuareg um, for their blue clothes and stuff. So that's not Moroccan. That's like, I think, the corner of Algeria, Mali and um, Mauritania. And so they claim they are the original Moroccans. And I guess in a way they are. And then um, Muslim Arabs, kind of invaded Morocco and took over. They were the ones that founded uh, the city of Fez, for example, that was the first real capital 
I think, like, and they founded a, a big mosque and university in Fez in the 18th, uh, in the 8th century, so a really long time ago. Um, and there's always been wars between the Berber and the Arabs, and it's still, they dislike each other, the Berber in the south, they say the the Arabs in the north, they are the ones that ruin the reputation of Moroccans all over the world. They are the ones that are the refugees in Europe and the ones that uh, deal with drugs. And I don't know how much of that is true, but city people feel different. Like they dress differently. They they are not quite as hospitable. Like the Berber people are really, really welcoming and they are very tolerant also towards other religions and, you know, like what kind of clothes you wear and everything. Like they don't really okay. care so much. They see you as a person. And um, while, yeah, the Arabs are more conservative and strict. And so there's a bit of a, yeah, I don't want to say a fight going on, but, you know, there, there's differences. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, that that makes for a good a good culture, right? When you have the mix, <laughs> when you have the, the mesh, um, it tends to get a little more interesting. Yeah, it's, I, I was just looking up. So the Ottoman Empire actually did extend into Morocco. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that could have and been the and the Roman right. The Roman yeah, yeah, the Roman, yeah. they were there way early, and they also fought with the Berber. So when the Romans founded Volubilis, I think like 300 AD, AD or something, or maybe that's when it was destroyed, I'm not sure. Uh, they were there for a couple of hundred of years, I think, and they built a huge city that was very prosperous. And um, But then some of the Berber tribes... Uh, gave them too much trouble and they retreated <laughs> and then later on the city was destroyed by earthquakes so now you can just visit the ruins but oh, where is impressive that impressive place that's close to Meknes uh, okay. and Meknes is close to Fez so yeah. oh, okay okay east. yeah there it is yeah. yep um, all right so now for someone traveling there and they have a good understanding of Marrakech um as you expand and see more of the country and specifically in search of places that maybe are not super touristy off the beaten path locations, how would you write one, where would you recommend going? And then two, what means of transportation would you recommend someone use? So again, that depends on what you like and what you're looking for. So do you want to go to cities or really like villages do you want to go into the nature do you really want to go off the beaten path so for for cities for people who just want to go to some place smaller maybe they're traveling with children or whatever i would recommend definitely esawira on the coast which is a beautiful place um you can surf you can go horse riding on the beach and it also has a medina that isn't very old that has a structured layout it looks very american because everything is like right angled <laughs> okay <laughs> and um that's a great place it's my favorite city in all of morocco i love going there at least once a year um for two two weeks three weeks just to hang out because it's just a different climate than the desert where i live um and the other city i would oh there's actually two more i think that i would recommend is meknes which is 
more on the cultural tourist path. A lot of Europeans, like older ones that do the study tours or something, they go to Magnus because it used to be an imperial city also and it has lots of history. Okay. And the third one would be Tetuan, uh, way in the north, that used to be Spanish and has an old Moroccan Medina right next to a really gorgeous Spanish quarter. Um, and is also very untouristic. So that's another city that I definitely recommend if you want a bit of city vibe and, you know. What was the second one you said? Meknes. 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 Yep, that's, that's near Fez. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. It's Just west. Right, yep. Right. Okay, and so for, for more of a village experience, and well, one, what do you recommend for someone coming to Morocco? Should they go for the city experience, or should they, they try the more villagey, uh, really off the beaten path experience? Mm, that's hard to say. It depends on your personality. I mean, I th in realistically, I'd say you should do both, but then you need like two or three weeks. Yeah. You know? I mean, right. well, that, yeah. that's I, the ideal trip anyway. Yeah, exactly. So Several months. I w yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, I, I've been there so long and still there's so much to do and to see. Um, yeah, so it's, it's tricky. I think you should go to at least one city, you know, and really really look at it really other than Marrakesh other than Marrakesh no not necessarily Marrakesh would be plenty it, you know it's overwhelming maybe you're sick of city after that <laughs> <laughs> um, but also I I wouldn't recommend not going to Marrakesh because it really is the you know the maybe the touristic heart of Morocco but it is kind of the place to see everything in one place and so yeah, definitely. I I'd say you shouldn't skip that. And then if you wanted to go really off the beaten path, it depends on what you're looking for. So either go into the Atlas Mountains, it's really easy to be off the beaten path there, um or go into the desert. And then it depends on what what you want. And also what time of year year you're there because in the summer of course it's way too hot in the desert. And in winter, it might be too cold in the mountains. There might be too much snow and, you know, transport might be hard. And um, Yeah. Yeah, but talking about the transport, you asked. So between the cities north of the Atlas, I would take the train. Okay. Because it's reliable. It's fairly on time. It's really cheap. And it's actually not uncomfortable. They have a first and a second class. I usually travel second because I like to get in touch with the locals and maybe have a chat and, you know, somebody shares their bread and tea with you. Um, and yeah, so whenever I travel north of the mountains, I take the train and south, I take the buses. So to go to Mezuga, you have to take the Supra tours because it's the only one available that goes there. It goes from Marrakesh. Takes 12 hours, <laughs> but it's a beautiful ride. Um, oh. lots to see and it's only like 22 euros so it's it's really affordable wow um, and then if you want to travel between places that are closer together usually I would sh take shared taxis okay. um, in the cities there's usually like a big taxi station where you just where there's a couple of guys just asking where you're going where you're going and you tell them and they show you the taxi that will go there you pay for your ticket it's kind of like a fixed it's a fixed price um, and then you wait until the taxi is full and then you go. <laughs> so you can be lucky and it leaves in five minutes and sometimes you have to wait a bit longer. Um, so it's for, for people who have a bit of time and flexibility, I guess. Um, 
So when when we met, uh, it was through a Facebook inquiry that I put into a Moroccan <laughs> yeah. asking about how to get from Marrakesh. Or I think I was just asking about general travel insight for a trip starting in Marrakesh that wanted to include time in the Sahara and in the Atlas Mountains. Yes. Um, I guess one, so using this example, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's for, for, for a friend, uh, using this example, <laughs> would you recommend doing both? Or is that possible given maybe a week or only two weeks of a trip? So for one week, I would recommend to choose because otherwise you will spend two full days in a bath. You will see the desert for a day or two and you will see the mountains passing through and maybe for a day. Otherwise, you know, it's just yeah, it's just too far away. If you have 10 days, yeah, I guess it's possible. If you, you know, if you organize it right <laughs> and if you don't spend too much time in Marrakech. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, I would totally, I mean, I'm biased, but I would totally recommend going to the desert because mountains you have in every country or not every country, but you can find everywhere. You that know, was, that's that something, yeah. I mean, the mountains, they are beautiful, but they're mountains, you know, mountains like, uh, yeah, kind of like yeah. you can yeah. find everywhere in the world. Why something like the desert down in, you know, it, and it doesn't matter if you go from Zagora or from Mazuba, like there's beautiful places in both places and there's so much so much variety that you only get to see if you have three or four days and you can really get a bit off the beaten path you know you i mean seeing the big sand dunes yes that's nice but you will share them with i don't know how many other people and if you have a few days longer you can really get beyond that and see a bit of variety of what the area has to offer which is really beautiful yeah so can we elaborate on this so marrakech sure. would you you could take a train from marrakech to mezuga bus a bus, bus. a bus yes. from marrakech to mezuga now can you hit things along the way different villages and exp- have experiences in locations between marrakech and mezuga yeah so you could there's the bus stops in plenty of locations where there's things to do and most of those, you know, the standard three-day Marrakesh to, de- to the desert tour actually stops along the way. Normally, um, you stop in a place called Ait Ben Hadou, which is filming location for, I don't know, Gladiator and Game of Thrones and stuff. Okay. Um, so there's a short stop there. And then um, normally you spend the night in a place, in, a, in one of the gorges. There's like two like really pretty canyons, gorges, the the Dadas Gorge and the Todra Gorge. And so normally there's a stop in one of those where you also spend the night somewhere along that road. Um, And then the the next day you go pretty much straight from there to Mezuga, hit the camels, go to your camp behind the dunes, come back in the morning, get back in the bus, and then it's like a 10-hour ride back to Marrakesh where they don't really stop anywhere. So that's the standard tour. Um, And that's not really like a desert experience. Like that's the kind of movie, ah, you know, like fancy staying in a white plastic tent with air conditioning or something, you know, like that's not 
real. That's not authentic. That's not what you should do. And so, yeah, the bus stops in many places and uh, you you could get out. and But then you have to wait 24 hours because the next bus comes the next day at the same time. So, they you know, there's one a day. Um, so, again, you should really think about if you want to spend that time, if there's enough to do in that place, if it's worth it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's... There's the Valley of Roses um, that starts or ends, it depends on your perspective, in Kilart Meguna, um, which is one of the stops of the bus. And in that valley, there's like gorgeous hiking. Like you could, um, you could probably get off the bus there. And the problem is, uh, when you would arrive there at like three or something, I guess, and then, you know, you only have so many hours before it gets dark, and so you could get a guide with a car that takes you somewhere, go for a two or three hour hike, spend the night there, go for another short hike in the morning and then get back on the bus at three to go to Mezuga. And it's definitely possible to find someone in the, in the town spontaneously, you know, like the Moroccans are always like that, like pre booking and stuff is kind of uncommon. <laughs> so <laughs> you just show up, you ask someone, like at the bus station or something for a guide and they would point you the right way they know a cousin or somebody who has a friend and they will just make three phone calls and somebody will come and pick you up you know so <laughs> i could probably also arrange something for you because um my partner has uh, a cousin or something in that area so you know if that's what you choose okay. to do just let me know i'm I happy to we'll, put you up <laughs> yeah i think we'll definitely be working with you and how and, and yeah figuring something out hopefully yep. we can actually hang out and share a tea yeah i was uh, already tea. i was already yes. thinking before like depending on what you do i'm i'm gonna ask you if i might join for a few days because yeah. you are absolutely fun. more than welcome <laughs> to do that absolutely yeah and, and well and that's obviously you know part of this is helping us plan our trip um and so that's that's why you know we're having this conversation to begin with, and, and getting insight and understanding Morocco. I but should charge you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we're gonna we'll, we'll give your tour company promo. Look, this is a oh, yes, symbiotic <laughs> symbiotic relationship here. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you, can, you can pay for the tea that we'll share. Yes. There we go. <laughs> I'm good with that. So and so, unfortunately, we're limited with our trip. Um, but we were starting in Marrakech, and now, just from what you've tell, told me, I'm thinking in my head, you know, maybe we land in Marrakech, we have two days in Marrakech, then we make our way out to uh, Mezuga, if we can. You know, you said it's 12 hours one way. Mm-hmm. Um, we spent maybe two days out in the Sahara, and then, unfortunately, we had to go right back to Marrakech and, and fly out. We're really, mm-hmm. we're super limited um, in our, with our time. And so do you think that, if, if for someone with a week, you then get the cultural experience in Marrakesh. You get the unique Sahara Desert experience um, in the desert, and then and then you kind of get a little bit of well, not, I wouldn't even begin. I wouldn't say everything, but you get a nice little sample of the country. Is that? Fair? I think so. And I mean, if you take the bus, you actually see half the country. Right. You know, at least yeah. you get to look at it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. There's yeah. so much to look at on the way, and you you really you know. Yeah, I mean, the views are amazing. It's really pretty. And 
um, the landscape on that trip varies so much because first you cross the Atlas Mountains and then you drive through the desert for hours and it changes. And you know, the yeah. you, you drive through villages with the old style caspas uh, which are kind of like fortified houses um, that <laughs> are very specific and typical for this region and um, they have storks nesting on the corners and stuff and oh wow <laughs> so you know it's I yeah it like I said it depends on the type of traveler that you are if you don't mind sitting in a bus for two days to actually go in the desert I'd say totally go for it because it's amazing it's totally unique and I mean, if you if you're that short on time, I might try to, yeah, make some calls and find out like if there's a way to go somewhere in the desert a bit closer, but that would involve getting on the bus halfway and then changing into a four wheel drive, and actually going off path right there and then hike for a day, yeah, <laughs> and then hike back and get picked up again, and then you know, like maybe that could give you half a day or a day more. Like I would have to think about that. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> it would, it would of course up the budget a bit. So it's you know, like again, that's, there's so many. We factors, would figure that out. But, yeah, no. Um, if you know, there was I'm a sure way for us something we could we could make happen that fits what you're looking for. You know, yeah. If there was a way for us to go on. To ATV through the Sahara Desert, um, just take my money. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) I totally recommend going unmotorized because the noise destroys your experience. Okay. Okay. Like, whenever I go hiking and there's people with quads, I get so angry. Like, I hate the quad bikes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Like, I actually like literally despise them. They are horrible because the best thing about the Sahara is there's no noise. Like there's nothing. And you should definitely sleep at least one night in the desert in a tent or maybe even outside and see the stars. It's just amazing. So do you know of a destination, like a place you can do that that's not as far? Like you you said the Valley of Roses. Is that somewhere that you can actually... No, no, that's mountains. Like that's not... No, so I mean, we have... um, So when on my long hike and also the one group hike we organized before Corona, um, we worked together with the camel man from Zagora, which is... A few hours closer. It's still away, like it's still quite a way to go. But um, we, you know, I might, I might uh, get in touch with him and see if he can arrange a little something for two or three days. But I would really need, you know, to know exact like timeframes. Yeah, I and could, I could do that. And then and you, you can come with us, and then right? I, and then I, yeah, and I probably come with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's so. party. Yeah. You know, like we—I would—I would have to get in touch with him, ask him if he has time and how much he would charge and stuff. But he knows that area, like it's his pocket. You know, like he What's knows the name of the area again? Um, it's south of Zagora. Zagora with Z A G O R A. Zagora. Okay. And yeah, a no. bit south of that <laughs> is an, is another big dune field. That's where I did my first okay. ever hike in Morocco. So that's a, it's also like really beautiful. It's a gorgeous area. And, okay, yeah, and it um, and it's I, nearly it's as still, far as yeah, the bus still, this the bus still arrives in the evening, but 
I don't know, maybe, maybe for that part, actually, yeah, we should find like hire a car or something. I don't know. I'll figure something out. <laughs> yeah, it says all it's right, about right. six hour car ride. Yeah, let us, yeah, let yeah. us know. Yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. But yeah, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds incredible. Um, how are we on time? We're, we're, we're getting there. Yeah, we have more time left. Squeeze a little more in there. Um, well, we've we've talked we've talked quite a bit about you know how we can do trips to the atlases to the Sahara and get the Medina the cultures, but we want to know a little bit more about your companies as well because we yes. talked briefly in the beginning. But you do not just hiking groups, guided hikes, but you have the yoga retreat and then you also have the photography tours. So can you talk about those three things? Yeah, so, no, 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 we don't. So that we don't have those. So what we offer is if you're a yoga teacher or if you're a photographer and you want to do a retreat or a photography tour in Morocco, we will organize everything in the background. Like you just have to find your clients okay. and show up gotcha. and we will have your camp set up or your hotels picked, your transport, everything organized. Um, we, we would, you know, we would book, uh, places close to the good photography spots or whatever. Okay. Um, because, you know, a lot of people like would like to offer something like that, but they've, they, they either haven't been to the country or they've been shortly, they know they like it, but they don't have the contact. So it's kind of hard to know where to start and they would have to come for like two months just to set everything up and organize everything. Yeah. While for us, it's really easy. Like. We live there. We have contacts everywhere. I've traveled all over. I know the good places. So, you know, we could set everything up and then they just have to arrive and we'll pick them up. And, you know, it's like a service <laughs> that yeah. we offer. And what are those, and, what are those through? Hmm? What company? What Because you have, uh, okay. you sent us yes, three different yes, companies, yes. right? So this one is called uh, Moroccan Desert Retreats. Okay. Um, because that's kind of what we started with in our head. And then we, uh, my friend, uh, who is a coach and uh, I don't know. And her husband does the Wim Hof method. I don't know if you know yes. the ice bathing stuff. That's so awesome. they actually, yep. they said, Oh, we have a business idea. Let's do this workshop thing in Morocco together. And I said, Oh yeah, I've had this business idea too. Great that you're interested. So that was the plan for last November. But then of course the pandemic came in between. So now it's kind of postponed. We don't know when we'll start this but um they will come and now they already plan two workshops in morocco so yay that's great um, and then yeah also um yeah i know like i briefly like i have acquaintances that are photographers and they were like oh yeah photography tours oh that would be great but i wouldn't know where to go so i was like okay we can we can do that too so this is kind of like something really new like we haven't done anything like we haven't sold anything yet because Corona came in between, but we're working on that. I actually have a list of yoga teachers who've been in touch and asked like, when can we do this? And I'm like, oh, when, when the borders open, everything is a bit stable and you can actually take bookings. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, you know. incredible. it's an incredible idea. And I, I love that you're handling the logistics for people. This country is, you know, beautiful. I don't want to say beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful, but it's it's a little bit harder for most to plan the logistics of. It's just yeah. mm. you know, it, it's not it's not a typical westerner's destination. And I, I, I you know, I kind of regret even saying that. 
Um, it's just a little harder than most Westerners' destinations. It's harder to plan than Italy. It is. Italy that has like secure uh, infrastructure, tourism infrastructure, I guess is what well, I'm saying. It is there in Morocco, but you have to find it. You have to know it, you know? And also yeah, right. what most, the mistake most people make is underestimating the distances, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. it takes a long time to get from A to B because even though they might be close together, it's very mountainous or right. the roads are really crappy or whatever it is. And yeah. so, you know, it looks close, but the country is huge. And so that's probably the the hardest part for most people when they plan to figure out how long it will take them to get to places. And also making business with Moroccans is tricky, you know, like with everything, even if you just want to buy something, you always have to handle, you always have to make sure they don't bullshit you into paying twice as (laughs) much as you should. And also they're not really like, sometimes they're not reliable. Like they would overbook their place and then you show up and they're like, yeah, you have a booking. Well, that's not my problem. Goodbye. You know, and they don't care. Like there's, they're in sometimes, you know, those kind of things are really, really difficult. So you have to have a network of people that you trust and that know you and that you can actually rely on and that you have to work for. And so, you know, I think if you're not from Morocco and you're not in Morocco, it's almost impossible to do this without somebody on the ground. And so I've heard, like, I know people who've trusted someone local with their money to organize something and they just ran away with it. You know, so I always think, at least I'm there. Like you can trust me, you know, like I, I will take care of this. And yeah. I have my Moroccans that don't bullshit me and that I can actually rely on. And, th- you know, of course there are, there are other like Europeans or expats or whatever in Morocco. And some of them are in similar businesses, but there's still, I think there's a huge market for stuff like this. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if there's anyone listening who's interested, please, re- please reach out for next year like uh, yeah. i would say from probably september 2022 we can easily plan things and it might need that long to set things up on a bigger yeah. scale you know like proper retreat or tour or something i mean short like touristy things we can of course always do but yeah, yeah. and you, you have our endorsement of, uh, of course too um absolutely really, yeah and yeah, it's. I'm really excited to to experience this country uh, for people who who seek out Morocco and countries similar. The challenge of the logistics is actually part of the fun, right? You know, yes. You're not going to a country where it's just easy and you can show up and you understand the language, yeah. <laughs> and you can navigate on your own. This 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 challenge of how do I get there? And it might be a little bit harder. Um, it's sort of a puzzle and, and it's all part of the experience too, you know? So you can't go to a country like this and get mad if things take a little bit longer than you anticipated or things don't go perfectly to plan. That's part of it. You know, you let it unravel and enjoy it. Yeah. I had a moment like that in Marrakesh just last week when I, just before I flew, like the day before I had to go take a PCR test, um, to enter Germany. And, um, I was staying with, uh kind of with family <laughs> and so i i kind of figured out how to take the taxis the shared taxis from there 
into the center, like to the clinic where I wanted to go and I had to switch taxis halfway. That worked really well. And then I asked in the clinic, like, where should I go? Which corner should I stand when I want a taxi to go to the main train station? Because I wanted to book my ticket for later to go to Casablanca, where I was flying from. And so they told me, oh, yeah, just across the street around the corner, that's where the taxis will be or where they will come by going that direction. So that's where I was standing. And then this really old Mercedes taxi stopped. And I think it was supposed to be one of those shared taxis. And he, uh, I said, I need to go to the train station. He said, oh, yeah, sure, get in. So I got in and he was like, and I said, so how much does it cost? And he was like, 100 dirhams. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? The shared taxi would cost me five. So yeah. I'll give you 10. And he was like, 10? No, 100. I'm like, okay, stop. I'll get out. So I just got up, back out, back to the corner. We didn't get very far, so no problem. <laughs> I just walked back to the corner. And then some other guy walked up there and also was waiting for a taxi. And he was like, and I asked him, like, is this the right place to go to the train station? He's like, yeah, 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 sure. So the next uh, small taxi that came along that was empty, he called over and he told him, take her to the train station and don't bullshit, put on the counter, the meter. And, um, you know, no tricks, no nothing. And I was like, oh, yeah, thanks. And, you know, got in and actually check that he wasn't doing anything tricky with the meter like put in luggage or whatever you know they can always add something and it cost me 16 <laughs> so that's the real price of yeah. going there you know and it and i was i for a moment i was really kind of angry at this guy and then i was like but yeah that's the fun of it isn't it like that's the experience that's why you love to travel because right. of this Right. You know, yeah, that's what I mean. If it was easy, it would be boring. You right. Know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. One thing I kind of overlooked and forgot to ask, what is the what is the main language and is English? Can you use English in parts? Um. So the the main language, the official, the official languages are Moroccan Arabic and um, French. And the third official language, but only for the last, I don't know, 10 years now is Tashlahid, Berber, or not Tashlahid, but the, because that's, they have three dialects. And um, now all the buildings have all three languages, the official buildings and stuff and in the news and whatever. Okay. Um, so I learned French in school for five years, but it's coming back now. But when I first came back to Morocco, like that was, my French was non-existent. Um, so I get by with English, especially in the cities and in touristic places and with tour guides and, you know, like bus drivers and whatever it works, restaurants mostly. Out in the desert, it's a bit harder. Like still the guys that work in tourism mostly speak English. But like the way I'm living in the village I, I have to learn Tashlahid because otherwise I cannot talk to the women. They don't speak any other language. Yeah, they can okay. speak some Arabic. They sometimes know five words of French and that's it. So it depends where you go and who you talk to. Like in the little villages in the Atlas Mountains, no way. You know, you would need right. to, like their dialect of Berber, but you will not learn that anyway. So, okay. <laughs> but yeah. normally a big smile, you know, some gestures just speaks for themselves and they are so nice like you will not have problems if you're in if you're in need of something they will be there to help you out you know it all will right. work all right Eva. so so you 
the links to your tour companies are going to be included in this show notes. So if you're listening to this and you're planning on going to Morocco, check those links out and contact Eva because she will obviously help you out. If you listen to this, I think you already know that. Um, transitioning now, Eva, we haven't told you this, but we end the podcast with a rapid fire round. Yes, I know. Questions. I've listened to a couple oh, of episodes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, man. I actually, but I actually forgot to write them down. And so you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Well, then we don't need to explain it anymore. Uh, let's, right. let's just jump right into it. Elliot, take the first one. Eva, what is the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the word travel? Uh, spontaneity. Nice. Uh, what home comfort do you miss the most when traveling? food especially now after all this time in the desert of morocco like what i wanted was was different food not necessarily home food but like indian thai italian i don't right. know but we've yeah. heard that before actually yeah yeah. That's <laughs> yeah if you could swim in any liquid what would it be the ocean what travel book had the biggest influence on your life I'm not sure if any travel book had any influence on my life. Do you have any I think book? so when I was when I was hiking the desert in Oman I read Arabian Sands by Wilfried Thiesinger, I think is his last name. Um he crossed the empty quarter in the forties or fifties with Bedouins on camels and that was an amazing book and I always wished I could be like that. I could do that. So kind of like I actually did but you know yeah yeah so in a way yeah maybe that <laughs> all right i'm gonna have to check that out uh can you say hello in your favorite language do i have a favorite language hello hello salam <laughs> all of them all right my three say favorites i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you could travel with anyone in the world living or dead who would it be yeah, that's a funny one because I was listening to the episode with Caroline or Caroline and yeah, Caroline. I would I always answer that with get for the bell. And now I feel like I shouldn't <laughs> because that was her answer. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. She was a great guest. Yeah, and I think get for the bell would be very impressive to Yes. Even just have a drink with, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that I could answer with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What is one item remaining on your bucket list? Okay. So one place would be Angkor Wat. It's okay. been on my bucket list since I was five and I Same. haven't been. One experience is diving with whale sharks. Ooh. I think that's also yours, isn't it? That's mine. Yeah, it's up there for yeah. me in the Philippines. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't care where. Could be Mexico. Could be Zanzibar. Could be the Philippines. I, you know, like you know, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever there's whale sharks, I'll be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's you, Bob. Number. Eight. No, I said number seven. You're number eight. No, I did number seven. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so if you could pick an actress to play you in a movie, who would you choose? Yeah, that's a hard one. Maybe, huh? Maybe Scarlett Johansson. She's kick-ass. She is. is. She is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, those are both good choices. Yeah. Um, All right. Number nine is you. Number nine. If you were stuck in one city for the rest of your life, which city would you choose? London. London. Can I ask why? I love it. 
And it never gets boring. I mean, I would have to say only if I don't have to work for my money, you know, kind of like. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, no, and you I didn't have that. to worry about money. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, I, uh, I've i spent so much time in London over the years. I used to have a boyfriend there when I was still in university. And then I kept going back and I just, I love it. And then I was actually lucky and got to work there for a few weeks for work while I was doing consulting so mm. i you know i was staying in a hotel next to like kensington gardens or something and i could just walk through there to get to the office or <laughs> to the client and oh, i just loved it so much and there's all the food again you know yeah. like for me it's all about eating Huge i don't know <laughs> yeah no i'm with you it just have wouldn't been, get boring have you ever been to new york city yes in long time ago like uh in 98 and in 2001 oh my god i'm old no 2002 actually after the towers fell yeah. um yeah i always wanted to go back for like 10 days and see how i feel about it if you know but yeah i think it's too big like i i it would overwhelm me now like after the after the, living in the desert i'm not even sure i could take london, london you know like <laughs> yep <laughs> and bob last one Eva, what is one piece of advice you'd give to yourself 10 years ago? Just keep doing what you're doing. You'll get to the place where you're supposed to be. Love it. I love yep. that answer. That is a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Eva, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been, you've been giving us so much valuable information to help us plan our trip and hopefully to anyone else listening to this when, if they're planning to go to Morocco. Well, thanks for having me. It was so much fun. <laughs> and I really hope we get to meet while you're there. I Same. do too. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. So I, I'm only going to say this one time. If you want to go to Morocco, Eva is your girl. So she is not only incredibly knowledgeable about Morocco, but she was able to help us put together a trip that uh, is beyond anything that I would have been able to do on my own, even as a as a even as Bob Demena travel planner. Um, and and I really couldn't recommend my correspondence with her enough. She she was amazing. Um, and and I think if you were planning a trip to Morocco at any point uh, in the future, check out the links below because that's where her contact information is. And book a trip with her. Yeah. You could even reach out to her on Facebook. She's in like the Facebook group. She's very active. She's always putting out information to people who ask about Morocco. So, man, like just just an absolute incredible experience, and and really highly recommend. Absolutely, and her. and we will fill you in with all the details of our trip that she helped us plan next week. Yeah. So right. thank you for listening. If you love the show and want to support us. Non-financially, you can just give us a rating if you want to support us financially. We have Traveler's Blueprint merchandise. We've got uh, a sponsorship with Manscaped. Then you can buy stuff for yourself, and it helps us out. Or you can go to Patreon and simply donate a dollar a month or more, whatever you prefer. And to every one of our listeners, you are our biggest advocates. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being dedicated to the show, and tune in next week. <laughs>